Well, good morning. Have you ever felt like your faith was falling apart? For me, it happened a few times. I can still remember sitting in my psychology class wondering, what if my professor is right? What if this whole God thing is just made up? Am I a fool for believing in God? And I had to wrestle with those questions for a season. And then the question for Christina, one of the college students I mentored was, why did God allow this to happen? I prayed and I prayed and my mom still passed. I had no answer for this grieving student. I could only weep with her. Other questions that are often asked in moments that are hard for us to make sense of are, where is God? How can he still be good? Does he care? I'm curious here in the room or for you joining us online, I'm going to ask you this. Do you know what the first question between God and man was in the Bible? If you know it, type it in the comments. Shout it out loud if you're in the room. Where are you? Good job. It was, where are you? Genesis 3.9. God asked Adam and Eve after um, they had been deceived to eat of the fruit which God had said not to. He comes and he says, where are you? And isn't that the question that is often asked when we feel abandoned and forsaken by God. Where are you? See, God is not asking them because he doesn't know where they are, but because he is saying, let's talk about what just happened. See, questions invite dialogue. So if you are joining us today and you have questions, that's good because it means you are in a good place for God to meet you. Maybe you can relate to the doubts and questions mentioned before in the stories, but, or possibly you too are in a moment where it might be a season of doubt, of deconstruction. This is what I want you to know. Doubt doesn't cancel faith. See, instead, doubt is an invitation to genuine faith, to deeper faith. Because the reality is that no faith goes untested. Good morning. My name is Ilsian. And aren't you glad you came to Evergreen Christian Center today? <laughs> this is our faith community. You are welcome here. I am one of the co-lead pastors of this beautiful church, and I'm so glad that we get to walk this faith journey with all its doubts together. So I want to invite you to read out of John chapter 20, verses 24 through 28. So if you have your Bible, you can open it up. If you didn't bring your Bible, if you don't have a Bible app on your phone, don't worry. It'll be up on the screen. But in John chapter 20, it says this. Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, 
one of the 12, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hands into his side, I will not believe. Then he goes on to say, a week later, his disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here, see my hands, reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen me yet have believed. See, in the previous verses of this story, we see that Jesus had shown up, but Thomas wasn't in the room. He wasn't there. Talk about the ultimate FOMO. He lived it. Man, when I meet Thomas, I want to ask him, bro, where were you? Like he was the only one not present. And perhaps, perhaps he needed to be alone because we all grieve differently. Maybe he had found a really good hiding spot. He had a good reason to be scared. See, just days before Jesus' crucifixion, he had said to the rest of the disciples, let us also go that we may die with Jesus. See, in John 11, it says that when Jesus found out that his friend Lazarus was sick, and then he died, he told the disciples, we're going back to Judea because Lazarus has fallen asleep. And his disciples remind Jesus, whoa, Jesus, they said, calm down. We were just there. They were trying to stone you, right? But see, not Thomas. Thomas didn't try to stop Jesus. Thomas said, let's go, Jesus, let's go. He was confident. He had put his hope and he was like, let's go. I'll do it for you, Jesus. And we know that Thomas was one of the 12. We read it. And he was also known as Didymus, which is the Greek word for twin. So we, call, we could have called him T. Diddy, right? <laughs> but the name that has become known throughout history is what, if you know it, type it in the comments if you're watching online or say it out loud, is... Doubting Thomas, that's right. We labeled him based on a moment of doubt. But I'm so grateful that Jesus knows him beyond his doubt. And see, when the others told him that they had seen the Lord, he had a very strong reaction. Right? We read it. Unless I see it, I got to see the nails. I got to put my fingers through. He was saying, nope, I'm not falling for it. I'm not taking your word for it. I got to see it for myself. Receipts, show me the receipts, right? That's what my dad would say when I would want not give him change. <laughs> Be like, what change? He was saying, I need these three things. 
I need to see the nail marks. I need to put my finger. I need to touch. And I need to get my hand all up on Jesus to believe. He was saying, I want to experience him for myself. And I ask, why did he make that statement? Like he knew his friends. He had done life with his friends for the past three years at least. So why was he questioning their character? Did he think that they were lying to him? And not too long ago, we know that he had been present when Jesus rose Lazarus from the dead. He had witnessed miracle after miracle. He had seen Jesus heal, deliver, and calm storms. I think there was something more going on. What was really going on in his heart? See, where did that statement come from? One of my mentors would often remind me or say to me, what's the question behind the question? What's the heart behind the question? Because the heart behind the question matters. When God asked Adam and Eve, where are you? God's heart, because he is a compassionate God, was to restore them. It was to dialogue with them, to offer covering for the shame that they were experiencing. And many times in the gospel, we see that the Pharisees would come to Jesus and ask questions of him, but it wasn't because they were interested in a conversation or because they wanted to believe in him, but it was because they wanted to trap him, right? They were looking for a reason to arrest him. So what is the heart behind the question? This tells me that in your questioning, heart posture matters. So what's the posture of your heart? See, the story continues. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Days had gone by. Thomas was still struggling to believe, but he was with them. He was in community. See, doubt doesn't cancel faith when you remain in community. And I'm so glad that that part is included in the story because I think that doubt in isolation is harmful. But doubt in community allows for a healthy wrestling. So you and I need to learn to make room for people's doubts. We need to hear them and not judge them. See, we are not meant to follow Jesus in isolation. Dietrich Bonhoeffer in his book, Life Together, writes this. The Christian needs another Christian who speaks God's word to him. He needs him again and again when he becomes uncertain and discouraged. For by himself, he cannot help himself without belying the truth. He needs his brother man as bearer and proclaimer of the divine word of salvation. The Christ in his own heart is weaker than the Christ in the word of his brother. His own heart is uncertain. His brother's is sure. We need each other. And the best thing you can do besides praying for your brother and sister when they are doubting or questioning is to continue to invite them into community. 
And if you are in a place of doubt in your faith journey, please know this. Doubt does not disqualify you from community. See, we see, we see it in the story of a paralytic in Matthew 9. It says that Jesus saw their faith. He didn't see the guy's faith. He saw their faith. Saw that their faith made a hole through the roof. And it says that he was able to heal. So sometimes it's okay to borrow faith. And then verse 26 continues. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them. And he said, peace be with you. And then he addressed Thomas. And he said, put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. This tells me that Jesus, Jesus cares about your questions. He doesn't get frustrated with your questions. How many of you remember, maybe you're living through it right now with your toddler. There is a stage where your toddler just starts asking after everything you say or they can think of why, right? The why face. I've heard parents say it's cute at first, but after a while, it gets exhausting, right? My Charlie Joy, my two-year-old, she isn't there yet, but I taught her the other day how to sign no, and within seconds, she was telling dad no, right? So she's in the no face right now. Um, but my point is this, that you can take your honest questions to Jesus. And you can be a toddler in the wide face with Jesus. It won't exhaust him. For years, um, I kept a document in my computer titled Honest Questions. And anytime something would happen or I experienced heartache or loss, I would write down my questions. It was my way of processing. Man, I don't get this. I can't make sense of this, God. But I'm going to trust you with this unknown. And there are going to be moments in your life that that's going to happen. I want to remind you, you can trust him with the unknown. And I'm so grateful that Jesus Jesus showed up to Thomas in the way that Thomas needed. See, Jesus tells him to see, to touch, to reach out. Many times in the Gospels, we see Jesus meet people where they are. And he asks, what do you want me to do for you? And I believe that that's who Jesus is. He's the one that's able to meet our needs where we are, to meet us where we are in the moment of our faith. And, and, and for Thomas, he showed up in the midst of his doubt and he says, stop doubting and believe. Other versions say, don't be faithless any longer, believe. <clears throat> and I love that. You know, there's no exclamation mark. Jesus is like, hey, I know where you're at. But I'm going to invite you to come and believe. See, when doubt shows up, it's an invitation to faith and not necessarily a cancellation of faith. Thomas was empty on faith. 
And sometimes this can happen when the problem or the circumstances that we are faced with, they become greater in our minds and hearts than the God who has promised to care for us. See, there is a story in Mark when the disciples face a storm while on the boat and in the middle of that storm, see, they see this great squall raging against them and their boat and they go and wake Jesus and the question that arises is this, they say, teacher, don't you care that we're drowning? Don't you care? See, and this tells me that in our faith journey, doubt is going to show up. So a good question to help us in our journey is what am I holding on to? Am I holding on to doubt or am I holding on to God's promises? And Jesus had said to his disciples that that he would rise on the third day right over and over again. We read it in that story. That was his word. That was his promise. But what they chose to hold on to, um, it's hard to hold on to what he said when what they saw and what they felt was fear. It disoriented them. I don't know if you've ever flown a plane before. I haven't. But I've heard that pilots have to learn to fly by instruments. That they, when they can't see clearly out of the windows of the plane, that if they go by how they feel, they experience what's called spatial disorientation, meaning that their feelings aren't reliable. And the Air Safety Foundation puts it this way, any condition that deprives the pilot of natural visual references to maintain balance can rapidly cause disorientation, prone to illusions, mistakes in processing, or interpreting what we see. How we see and what we feel may not be accurate or reliable, but God tells us that we are called to walk by faith. And that's another reason why we need faith people in our journey with us, because they'll remind us of God's word and they'll remind us of who God is. See, what are the instruments we need to learn to live by or to fly by? They are God's character and God's word. When I've sensed God's silent in my questioning, I've learned to go to his word. A lot of times we say, I can't hear God or God's not speaking to me. And I'd like to counter that with, well, have you opened your Bible? Have you read what God has written down for us? Because he knows it needs to be written because they will forget, right? He knew mom brain, so he put it in there. He's given us his word And one of my favorite things to do is to read it out loud. And because I'm weird, sometimes I read it aloud with an accent. (laughs) I'll try Australian, British, you know, I try. But I love to hear God's word. 
And it helps me to remember that I need to learn to doubt my doubts instead of doubt my God. And you may be in a situation that appears to be disastrous, like Thomas, maybe you were in a questioning, is Jesus really alive? Does God care for me? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Will you focus your faith on the promises of God instead of your fears and doubts? See, we walk by faith and and not by sight. Hebrews 11 says, it's the chapter of faith, and it says this, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Thomas is able to make this declaration of faith. My Lord and my God. And he believed, he, he lived by this. He lived by this declaration of faith. My Lord and my God. And we see it in the traditions that are written of him. That most traditions point that Thomas traveled to modern day India with the gospel. And there he was eventually martyred for what he believed in. Some believe that it was most likely he was run through with the spear. And I love that he went from doubting Thomas to I am willing to die for what I believe in. Jesus and his mission. So Jesus responds to Thomas, because you have seen me, you believe, but blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. That's me and you. We've not seen Jesus in the flesh. But we get to believe. Not because we've physically seen him, but because by his spirit, He helps us to see him, especially in moments where darkness closes in. When we can't make sense of what is happening and what we feel, would we trust that he is a good God that has a hope and a future, a God that plans good for his people, So what can you do when doubt shows up? Remember that doubt doesn't cancel faith. Stay in community. Press into community and ask Jesus to meet you right there where you are, questions and all. And go to his word. I want to invite you to close your eyes. For those of us that are faith-filled believers, for those of us that are in a great place in our faith journey right now, our challenge is to be a community that allows for people to share their doubts without judgment. That we would make space for that. I'm going to invite you to pray with me, Lord. We want to believe, and like that father who 
wanted his son to be healed but wasn't seeing the healing that he wanted and you ask him to believe and he says, I want to believe but help my unbelief. God, I pray that you would help us in those moments where our faith falters, in those moments where we feel shaken, that we would believe. Would you help our unbelief? Lord, would you help us to see you for who you are? Your word says that you are a God that doesn't change. You remain the same yesterday, today, and forever. You are constant. Your character is true. So, Lord, help us to remember that when our feelings want to tell us that it's otherwise. Lord, you know everyone in the room, everyone joining us online, you know where they're struggling. For that one person that is deconstructing their faith, that you would meet them there and that you would, yes, break down the part of their faith that doesn't line up to you and to your word, but that you would build the truth of who you are. So, Lord, in the deconstruction, would you meet that person right now? And with everybody's eyes closed, I want to invite you, if you are in the room or joining us online, and maybe you've not put your faith in Jesus, I need you to know that God loves you. He created you. And sin separated you from him. But he gave us Jesus to die on the cross, his son, so that through his sacrifice you would receive forgiveness of sins. And today you can choose to turn to God, follow, and believe in Jesus. So if you're here and you want to put your faith in him today with everybody's eyes closed, would you look up at me and say, that's me. I want to put my faith in Jesus. I want to believe in Jesus today right where you are. Just look up at me so I can agree with you. Father, we thank you. We thank you. I see you. I agree with you. If there's anybody else, just right where you are. And if you're joining us online, can you type in the chat, I believe in Jesus, and we'll follow up with you. Father, we thank you that you are good. We thank you that you are faithful. We thank you that we can trust you and be your God that meets us. In Jesus' name, amen.